0: I ask you to go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12 this morning. First Corinthians chapter 12. As you turn there, I will share with you a, a moment of poor decision in my life. I was a senior in high school. And in high school, my primary objective was to hunt or shoot anything I could um, I, I was in the woods on the lake at every moment and had buddies that that was their sole objective as well. We grew up in, in North Georgia and there was plenty of woods, plenty of lakes to to frequent. And as a senior in high school, right at the beginning of my senior year, we needed to build a deer stand for my buddy and we were getting it built and we realized that we needed some holes cut in some plywood and we didn't have a skill saw. And so the next best thing that we figured out was a chainsaw to do that with and I don't know how many of you have used a chainsaw much, but a chainsaw isn't really designed to cut a hole in a piece of plywood. And so, me and my great level of intelligence said, I'll hold the plywood so that you can cut it. And that way it doesn't move, right? And so I'm holding the plywood like this, and my buddy is cutting the hole in the, chain, in the plywood, and he hasn't used a chainsaw. I think he's maybe seen one used. And as he's doing that, he gets to a point and he lets off the throttle of the chainsaw while it's in the wood. And so for those of you who have used it, you know you shouldn't do this, right? And when he did that, the chainsaw kicked across the wood towards my hand. And I instantly, my reaction was simply to grab my hand and I ran around to the front of the house. I don't know why I did that, but I ran around the front of the house holding my hand, just standing there like a deer in the headlights, just standing there, and he came running around, petrified. Are you okay? And I'm like, I think so. I wouldn't move my hand off of, off of my other hand. Long story short, I had over 60 stitches in the fingers of my left hand. They're still on there, still working. Praise the Lord. Uh, the hospital, the doctor in the ER, as he stitched me up, said, you're the first one I've ever seen have a ring save his fingers, as opposed to taking them off and my ring had chainsaw marks all over it what I came to learn was this is that my fingers are very valuable and when my fingers hurt my entire body hurt and so what I learned in the days ahead was if I ever dropped my hand under my heart it would throb and so I got to spend the next few days walking around like this I had big bandages and I got to drive like that and everybody on the road waved to me my class, when I first went to class the first day, my physics teacher said, yeah. He kept, <laughs> he kept thinking I had a question. Then he thought it was funny. So for the next few days, he would constantly go, Todd, do you have a comment? Do you have a question? Every part of the body is important. Even the smallest part of the body is important. And that's what we look at today is, is we look at the body of Christ and we look at this beautiful metaphor in Scripture that, that God's people are the body of Christ, God's people is a body or a body. Listen to Ephesians one. Just listen to these these pictures of this metaphor of Christ, the body of Christ. Ephesians one twenty two to twenty three says that he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. In Romans twelve four through five, Paul writes, "For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we." though many, are one body in Christ. In Ephesians four twelve, and then verses 15 and 16, we read that God has gifted some in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And then Colossians 1, 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is, the church. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is our head, we are the body. He has gifted those in the church to build up the body so that the body works properly as it should, making the body grow. And so because of this reality, we should live our lives for the good of the body. We should have that same bent, that same posture of Paul in Colossians where he says that I am giving up, I am suffering for the sake of the body. That we would give all we have because of the body of Christ. Why? Because we love one another. Because we care about one another. The individual parts of the body care about one another. Every inch of my body cared about my ring finger and middle finger on my left hand in that moment. Every ounce of me cared about my hand. We care for one another because we love one another. And so the question for us then is this. As we think about what it means to love one another, the question is how does serving one another reveal our love for one another? Or how do we love one another by serving one another? How do we love one another through serving Here's the truth, here's the truth that we need to gain today, is that your love for the body of Christ is demonstrated as you cultivate and utilize the gifts God has given you for the good of the local church. That's the truth, that your love for the body of Christ is demonstrated, is seen, is manifested as you utilize, as you cultivate the gifts that God has given you for the good of the local church and the glory of His name. That's the truth we look at. And so as we walk through 1 Corinthians 12, I want you to just simply, in the back of your mind, be asking this, how has God gifted me? How has God gifted me? I don't want you thinking about how God, God has gifted other people. I want you to be asking, how has God gifted me? And then secondly, in the back of your mind, I want you to be thinking and asking, how am I utilizing my gifts for the good of this local body? What am I doing? How, how am I using God's gift? How am I serving the church by using his gifts in my life so we're gonna just walk through 1st Corinthians 12 we're gonna approach this a little different this morning in that this is a big chunk of scripture we're gonna read all of chapter 12 but it's important and it'll help us to understand what it means to be the body of Christ what it means for us to serve in the variety of gifts that we have and so we're gonna walk through and just kind of comment as you go and so you may if you're a, a Bible marker just have your pen ready and you can mark up your Bible as you go Uh, keep your finger there, and we'll just kind of walk through it, and then we'll come back together, and I'll give you six things that pull it all together that we should have seen in that, okay? So let's read in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning. Paul begins by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So as Paul starts here in verse 1, this now concerning, he's moving to a new section. He's moving to a new subject matter. And he says concerning spiritual gifts. He's getting into this passage. It'll it'll take him through chapter 12 all the way through chapter 14. And, And essentially what Paul's doing here is he's contrasting life as they know it you used to know what it was like to be a pagan an idolater what it was like before christ and now i want you to be clear on what it looks like to live as a believer as a follower of christ i want you to know that at one time you you just kind of went your own way and you defined what it meant to be spiritual but that's not the case now god works Right? To, he says to confess Jesus as Lord is a, is a work of God in your life and, and God's work always leads to God's glory is essentially what he's saying here. Kind of a summary. Tom Schreiner, New Testament theologian, wrote that the contrast between cursing Jesus and confessing him as Lord is introduced because Jesus' lordship is the criterion for the spiritual experience. That we live in a land, there's a lot of spirituality, there's a lot of claims of what it means to be spiritual, right? Right? We see that everywhere. We see spiritual people. People are okay with spirituality. People don't tend to be okay with Jesus. With Jesus as Lord. The, the confession that Jesus is Lord. And Paul's saying, listen, you need to understand that, that no one speaking in the Spirit of God says that Jesus is a curse. The Spirit is never going to lead you to say that. We don't define what we say. The Spirit defines what we say. And the Spirit leads us to confess that Jesus is curse lord and so right away you have to ask do i confess jesus is lord with my life is that the is that the theme of my song is that the is that is that what my heart is tuned to sing that, that christ is lord is that the confession of my mouth the belief of my heart the focus of my mind that jesus is lord if it's not then the call of the gospel is to repent and believe in christ the call is to turn from your life of sin and turn to christ to turn from serving you as Lord, as Master, to serving Christ as Master, as Lord. He is the only one who is sufficient to save. And we need to understand as we think about spiritual gifts, as we think about what Paul's going to say in the remainder of the, the passage, that anything that opposes, defies, or contradicts who Jesus is and His design for the church is not of God. It is not a biblical use of one's giftedness. We continue in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, do you see the Trinity, the triune nature of God here? You see this? The, the Spirit, Jesus, the Lord... God, the Father, the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. There is oneness, there is unity amidst the variety. They will not oppose one another. The gifts that we have, the gifts that we have will work in unity. They will work together. They're not going to pull against each other. Why? Because it is a a work of the triune God who lives, exists in perfect unity. And so verse 7. Verse 7, he says, "...to each is given..." The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, each one of us have been given this. Every one of us have been given a manifestation of the Spirit that that God works and He manifests Himself in your life through the giftedness that He gives you. And to each one, there is no one sitting here who has not received a spiritual gift if you are a believer. If you're a follower of Christ, you have been given a manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good, for the good of the body. Not not to make your name great, not to elevate who you are, not to bring you glory, but for the good of the body. In verse 8, Paul writes, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now, a lot of times, I think when we think about spiritual gifts, we can fall into this thing of, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I don't know how I'm gifted. We, we have these kind of big things that we go, these are, man, he's really gifted. Or he's, she's, really, she's really spiritual. She's really gifted. And I think it's interesting that Paul starts out by saying some things that maybe we wouldn't necessarily talk about or think of. That, that Some are given the spirits of the utterance of wisdom that, that wisdom is a gift. That some of you just have the capacity to make wise choices. To take what you know and to apply these things and to act in wisdom. Some utter knowledge. You just know you're very intellectual and you, you have an understanding of difficult things. Some just have strong faith. You know these people. You get around them and your faith is strengthened. Your faith is encouraged. You're, you're challenged to have a greater faith. Some of these just less commonly thought of gifts here. Paul starts out. And in verse 11, what does he say? He he talks about the fact that that God both distributes and empowers the use of these gifts. All these are empowered by the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So God has given gifts as He designed, as He wills, as He plans. He's given you gifts that He hasn't given me. He's given me gifts that He hasn't given you. And he distributes according to his will. It's not like I come before him and go, Well, God, I would really like to do this. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, let me change all of my plans and make you happy, Todd. That's not what God does. God distributes gifts according to his will and his purpose. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are of one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. I, I think that, that this comes to the epicenter, the, the key, the vital part is that unity is important, that there is one body, there are many members, but it is one. That all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. It, you can write down in your margin there, Ephesians 4, 1-16. through 16. I, I referenced that a little bit earlier. But, but Ephesians 4 talks about the fact that, that grace was given to each one according to God's measure. And it's this oneness that, that God equips and gives so that we grow up in Christ, in godliness. That we are built up in love. The body grows Because we are part of one body. It's not a picture of of you guys over here growing super fast and growing in godliness and you over here not and we're just all here. But that we grow up together as one body in Christ. He goes on to write in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. He's simply explaining what he just said in verses 12 through 13. He's He's fleshing this out. Because some of us, if you're like me, are sometimes slow to learn. So Paul says, let me help you understand. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. But it, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, now listen, here's God's sovereignty. As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. There's a beautiful, beautiful diversity A beautiful diversity in the body of Christ. It's a diversity of parts. It's it's God's wisdom to say, I I want this part and this part and this part and this part, and this is what Grace Baptist needs. And I'm going to bring all of these people, Who I'm going to give these gifts, I'm going to to bring them together in this moment, in this time, for such a time as this. That God has plans for this church, He has a mission for this church, to make the gospel known, to take the glory of Christ to the world. And in order for us to do that, He's equipped us to accomplish His plan and His purpose. He's brought us together for what He wants us to do. And so we don't need a bunch of preachers. We don't need 385 preachers. That would make us ineffective. We need a diverse body of many parts who would come together and function as one. He writes in verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand... God is so composed of the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We see that we need one another. We need one another. I cannot look at you and say, you know, we just don't need you here. Why don't you go to a different church? Your gift isn't special. No. No. That would be ungodly. That would be sinful. We need one another. I need you, and you need me, and you need one another. We all need each other. The body needs every part of itself. The body needs one another. God has designed it that way. He has composed it. Why? Verse 25, the purpose that there may be no division. That there may be unity among us that we have this same care for one another. Why? Because we need one another. We value one another. We value the different giftedness that we have, and we bring together in oneness the same common purpose of the glory of God and with the same common purpose of the mission of taking Christ to the nations. Verse 27 to the close of the chapter. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Now, what is that more excellent way? We've already talked about it. 1 Corinthians 13, what does he go? He says, I will show you a more excellent way. And what does he go into? How we love one another. We love one another by exhibiting our gifts, by demonstrating our gifts, by using our gifts, by serving one another. That love is the more excellent way. That Jesus says, I'm going to give you another commandment, a new commandment. What is that new commandment? That you love one another as he loved us. This is review here, right? That we would have that love for one another. And so let me, let me just bring all this back around. We sat here. We went through the passage. Let me just give you six truths that, that give us that, that we should have taken from that. Maybe that's the way we say it. Six truths that we should have taken from that chapter very quickly here. Number one is that we need to understand that there are a variety of gifts in the body of Christ. There are a variety of, of gifts. He says in verses 5 through 6, a variety of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. Thanks be to God that we're not all gifted in the same way. I am so thankful that some of you can do things that I can't do. I am so thankful for that. We can't all be preachers. We can't all be financial gurus that understand all the intricacies of of a spreadsheet. But you know what? We do need preachers who would teach sound doctrine. We need teachers who are gifted to come together and to teach the Word of God. And we need financially minded people who will help us be good stewards of God's gifts to us as a church. There's a variety of gifts. Second, we should have seen that spiritual gifts are a result of God's grace. Spiritual gifts are a result of God's grace. In verse 7, he said, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Given. The the most common word for gifts used in this passage and elsewhere is used in verse 4, 9, 28, 30, and 31. It's used five times in this passage. And that word is charisma, charisma which is rooted in the Greek word for charis. You, you're familiar with that word because we do a charis offering, right? That it's, a, it's, a, it's a grace offering. It's, it's God's grace. Charis is God's grace. And so charisma is rooted in God's grace. So what we understand is that the grace that saves you into the body of Christ is the same grace that gifts you for the health of the body of Christ. The grace that brings you in is the grace that God has given you and poured out upon you that you might serve and love one another faithfully. God's grace is the the root, the driving force of your giftedness. Third, spiritual gifts are for the common good of the body. They're they're for the common good of the body. We are not giving gifts to magnify self and marginalize others. He makes this very clear in verse 7. That it's for the common good of the body. The exercise of your giftedness makes the body of Christ at Grace Baptist stronger. But the opposite is true. Not utilizing, not working out your gift. Not serving and using your gift makes the body weaker. We want to be all that we can be, all that God's called us to be. We should be using our gifts. Number four, every part of the body is under God's sovereignty. Every part of the body is under God's sovereignty. Verse 11 says, all these are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verse 18, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose Ephesians 4, 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It is God's plan, it's His wisdom that He's gathered and gifted us to do exactly what He intends in and at and through Grace Baptist. He brought you here for a purpose. I I think that should encourage us. That should encourage you that that you're a part of the body of Christ for a reason, that, that He gave you the gift He gave you for a reason. That you don't need to be sitting back and go, man, I wish I could do this or that. You need to be sitting back and go, man, God has gifted me for this. And that means there's a purpose for that at this church. That when I do that thing that God's gifted me to do, then it's going to build up the body of Christ. And in so doing, we're going to be who God's called us to be. Nothing less, nothing more. That's our desire. That's our longing is to be who God has called us to be. One of the rich blessings we have when we talk about the fifth point is is that we are blessed musically as a church. We are blessed with an incredible worship team. So when we think about, I said that I think the thing that brings us in and kind of the epicenter, the point of these passages is is, um, verse 12 and 13. Just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. There's unity So fifth is that spiritual gifts are to build unity in the body. And unity produces a beautiful sound. I want you to hear that sound. Listen to the beautiful sound that unity produces. That was not beautiful. That was awful. Do you see what happens? It's a a silly example, but I think it's clear. Do you see what happens when the body is not together, when the body is not moving forward in one direction? When when we don't fulfill and use our giftedness? We sit back and and maybe we say, I want to play my song and I want to play it as loud as I can. It's the song that I choose. It's the song I want. And we're focused on self. We're not focused on coming together as the body. And it just produces a wreck. It doesn't do what it's designed to do. But when we come together in unity, when we come together as one, it is a beautiful melody unto the Lord. It is a beautiful sound unto the world that there is no division. But we stand as one in Christ and we exist to proclaim Christ. And finally, every... Part of the body is important. Every part of the body is important. Verses 14 through 26, Paul drives home this point. It it matters not if you're an upfront person or behind the scenes. It matters not if you teach a class or mop a hall. It doesn't matter if you are a library of theological knowledge or a tool belt of mechanical skills. Every member is important. Every one of you is important. Be encouraged by that. Listen, 1 Corinthians 12 paints a beautiful picture of who we are as the people of God. But 1 Corinthians 12 is more than just a painting to be hung on the wall and admired. It is a picture of a body that needs to be fed, fueled, and put into action for the purpose and the mission that God gave us. So we do not sit back and admire our gifts. We seek to use our gifts. We do not stare at one another and go, wow, look at them serve. No, we serve together, we come together. 1 Corinthians 12 is a study of the body of Christ, but it's not a mere anatomy lesson. It's not something that sits on the table like a cadaver where we all gather around and look at the anatomy of it and go, oh, wow, look at that, that's great. No, it's, it's more of a, a, a lesson in physiology or kinesiology where we look at this as a picture of how the body works and functions and moves to achieve what God has called it to achieve. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 is. This is a picture of who we are. It's a, it's a study of the various parts of the body functioning as one. It, it is not a picture of how most of the body works well, except that one foot that just kind of drags along. It, it's, a, it's a picture of the body working working together. It's not a picture of the the body that works together, except for that one rebellious limb that's like flailing around helplessly, and recklessly. No, it's a it's a picture of the body as one. You saw my body throughout the sermon. We, it, my, my body functioned as one. How strange it would look if I had this arm just flailing around, smacking me upside the head, throwing my papers on the floor. And unfortunately, that happens in the body. This is not God's design. God's design is that we work together as one, we come together as one. It is a picture in 1 Corinthians 12 of the beauty of the oneness of the body of Christ working together for the glory of God. Be encouraged by this. Be built up by this, that you are a part of the body and God has a plan for you. But don't just be encouraged. Let 1 Corinthians 12 drive you to be committed to loving one another and serving one another. Don't don't be the one that's just a taker from the church. Be a giver. Don't be the one who just uses your gift everywhere but the body. Don't be the one that works tirelessly to use the things you're gifted in outside and you come in here and you just don't have anything left. You come and you sit. You've been gifted, why? For the purpose of God's glory and for the good of the body. Use it here. Use it there. That's great. But don't not use it here. I would appeal to you to apply what you hear today. How do you do that? Identify what your gift is. Cultivate that gift and utilize that gift. Apply it. Be a doer of the word. Identify the ways God has gifted you. What are the things that he's given you an interest in, a special ability in? What are the the ways that that God has gifted you that you go, man, I, I don't know why I'm good at that. I just am. I don't know why in the world I can take up a piece of brass and make it sound incredible. But praise the Lord that God has gifted Drew Shannon to be able to play a trumpet. What a beautiful, beautiful gift that is. Identify what your gift is. Cultivate them. Cultivate it. Utilize it in the body. How do you do that? By serving. By doing it. If you don't know, test the water. Stick your foot in the water. Is the pool cold? I don't know. Jump in. Do what God has called you to do. So what does that mean? For some of you, it means that you need to consider becoming a covenant member of grace. That you need to consider coming into the body that you might use your gifts here in this body. For, for others of you, it simply means that you're going to say, you know what, I'm tired of just coming and listening and leaving. I want to be involved. I want to be engaged in ministry. Now, I know right now, I mean, we're sitting here and I'm looking at a bunch of face masks and we don't get to do things like we normally want to do or we usually get to do. And so our, our ministries are kind of scaled back right now. But you know what? Maybe God's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a time to sit back and take a deep breath so that you can get ready for what I'm about to do. Why don't we use this time to prepare and say, hey, I can do this, this, let's get ready. And so when we can go, we go, and we go hard for the glory of God. So come talk to us. Come talk to a pastor. Let us help you. Let us think through and go, okay, here's some opportunities we have. Maybe we don't have an opportunity, but God's put you here for a reason. Maybe we need to create that opportunity for you to serve. Let's do the hard work of thinking how you utilize and cultivate your gift. And finally, for some, it may mean that you turn your life to Christ. That you would confess Him as Lord and Savior of your life. And know the beauty and the blessing of living out His giftedness in your life. It's an amazing thing. Amazing thing. When you realize, man, God uses that to build up His body and to encourage others. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. The first step in seeing that is seeing that Christ is the only way of salvation. That There's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved but Jesus Christ. So the first step is coming to Christ in salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have brought us together. We thank you that you have made us one. That God, you have assembled us exactly as you designed, exactly as you purposed. God, that you have gifted us here with a variety of gifts. I thank you for each one here. And I pray, God, that you would help each one of us to be faithful, to utilize and cultivate the gift that you've given us. I thank you for that grace in our lives. God, I pray that we would leave encouraged, but God, not just encouraged, but God, compelled to to look at how we can serve and minister to your body of grace. For the good of those around us. And the demonstration of our love for one another. And God ultimately our love for you. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.